Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of A Good Drop, where each week and every week we travel to historic Germany and crack open a nice, tasty Gosa. Yes, and uh, Gosa has become something we really like, so we're quite excited to talk mm. to you about it. Yeah, the history on this is is pretty interesting. A few twists and turns and a little bit of serendipity. I'm Stu. I'm Michael. Time for a good drop. Cheers. Cheers. So yes, Gosa indeed. Uh, initially, I thought it was French, given the pronunciation, but it is German from a little town in... I was going to say backwater Germany, but it's not fair on the, that little town. No, it's uh, from the town of Goslar in eastern Germany, which um, historians believed the beer got the name from, but some people also believe that it may have been named for the nearby river of the same name. The Gosa River. Though it's entirely possible that it in fact got its name from both, since in all likelihood the town was named for the river. <laughs> Kudos for originality. Yeah. Um, to get, getting into more specifics, uh, Gosa is, or Gosla is in uh, Lower Saxony home to the Gosa River in the year 1000 AD. Yes, they've been making it for that long. But what's really interesting is that it didn't really take off anywhere else aside from this little locality until about 17 until about 1783 when the nearby city of Leipzig and Halle were, uh, discovered it and subsequently drank a lot of it. Yeah, and uh, they say one of the biggest contributions to Gosa was uh, made by a Johann Philipp Ledemann. In 1824, he started brewing it at Rittergut Dolnitz, a country estate between Merseburg and Halle. And he had been a brewer in Goslar, but was lured by Johann Gottlieb Godacker the owner of the estate, to come and brew for him. And Godeka's attempts to brew Gosa hadn't been particularly successful. So Letterman brewed it successfully, and the result was that Gosa grew in popularity even further. Now, I suppose we should actually describe what Gosa is before we get any further. It is traditionally a... I guess it's kind of an ale-style beer made with... Oh, it's very similar to um, vice beer or wheat beer. Mm, well, I mean, it is a wheat beer. Mm. Um, but they, but. the big difference between this and a wheat beer, with, with the... Uh, keeping in mind the Reinheitsgebot, the German uh, rules and regulations regarding the production of beer... This actually fits neatly into a little loophole that they've made because it is considered a local delicacy. Ah, and of course, it's a top-fermenting wheat beer and it's flavoured with coriander and salt, which is where it gets its unique taste. Hmm. It has a low hop bitterness, 
but it has a, a dryness and spice that comes from the ground coriander seeds they use. It gets a sharpness from the additional salt that they put in it. And let's um, not forget the lactobacillus that they add, the lactic lactic acid bacteria, to give it that uh, to give it that unique tart flavor. Yeah. And, uh, of course, it usually has a cloudy yellow color because it's made with 50 to 60% malted wheat and it's unfiltered. And, in fact, a description of Gosa from 1740 stated, Da Gosa stelt And I think that really says it all. <laughs> so, for those that don't speak German, what does that mean? Gosa ferments itself without the addition of yeast. And it's supposedly the lactic acid content mm. that makes that possible. And uh, the theory is that once upon a time, it was fermenting itself spontaneously and accidentally. Which makes sense. That was part of the Reinheitsgebot as well. The, it didn't actually say yeast was part of the recipe until much later, much, much later. But the interesting thing about uh, once the uh, Gosa became more popular, they started develop they developed bottles specifically for this kind of drink. Uh, given that it's got a, a top fermenting yeast in it, the um, as as the as the beer fermented, as the wort fermented, the pressure would build up and it would plug itself in these specially designed bottles. Having its own lid. Mm. So wait, think of a, I guess, an old-fashioned perfume-style bottle with a really big bulb at the bottom and a tapering stem to a tiny hole at the top. And yeah, as the yeah as it fermented, the yeast would travel up the up the bottle until it could no longer push itself until this yeast cap could no longer push itself up any further. You keep saying yeast, but they don't add yeast. They Well, it's the, the lactobacillus, the, the lactic acid yeast mm. that was part of the fermenting process, whether it was from the air, whether it was spontaneous, like they said, or whether it was added much later. Yeah, I'm talking about like 18, 1820s, kind of area oh yes we're talking late when they kind of knew what they were doing yeah yeah not not in the uh early 9th or 10th century right so since we're talking history let's uh well i suppose since we're talking history we do need to then come to world war one which of course had an effect on any number of things that were produced in europe mm. and gosa was uh, no exception yeah it kind of got forgotten about yeah, and uh, by the end of World War Two, the Dolnitz Brewery, the only remaining Gosa brewery left after the decline from World War One right through both the wars, closed. Yeah, they they tried for a long time to keep it open, but tastes were changing, and there were very few people left to actually brew it. No one, very even fewer people knew the recipe. Yeah, and so um, in 1949, 
well before Gosa made a return with any sort of popularity, it was only being brewed in the tiny Friedrich Wurzler Brauerei at Arthur Hoffmann Straub 94 in Leipzig. And there were a mere 18 pubs that were selling it. Mm. Which is still quite amazing. They had that many pubs. But then again, I'm pretty sure this is we're still talking Leipzig, aren't we? Oh yeah, we're still talking Leipzig, which was yeah. like It's not that big a place. No, it it became well not the home of Gosa, because it's not where it came from. It was certainly the spiritual home of Gosa because mm. that's where it really took off. Absolutely. And they're the people who kept it going. So the the revival was only temporary, of course. And a few years later, the, that brewery closed again. Or that brewery closed, and again, Gosa was no longer a beer to drink, a beer available to drink. And then, when I could find it, I think it's in the 70s. Uh, so, the, the 1960s is, well, the 1950s is when it sort of slowly started coming back, 50s and 60s. There were attempts made, but they failed. But um, they were largely based on Frederick Wurzler's recipe that he had written down for how to brew Gosa, and before his death in the late 50s had handed on to his stepson, Guido Fnister. Mm. Yeah, Guido Fnister. Guido Fnister. Yeah. And then he... So he had a small private brewery, and even though there wasn't really much demand for it, and in the 60s there was no more than a couple of pubs in Leipzig and possibly one in Halle still selling it. And when Finster died in 1966, the brewery closed and ghost production again ceased. Um, but in the 80s, a man named Lothar Goldhahn decided to restore the former 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 uh, Gossenschenke or uh, on Bedekin a Gosa brewery Gosa pub and he decided that it was a suitable site to it was suitable that the revived pub should sell Gosa um, after querying drinkers to basically he went and surveyed a whole pile of old Germans to <laughs> find out what the flavor profile should be, he started up production again. And the first test brews were made in 1985 and production started in 1986. So now, Gosa has again found popularity in and around Leipzig and they've got several specialized Gosa breweries. And of course, now there are breweries outside of Germany that produced Gosa as well mm. in the US and in Australia. Yeah. So the most famous, probably one of the most well-known American companies selling Gosa is the Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. We know that one. Yes, we do. Um, so they make a, they don't make a traditional Gosa, however. It's a Gosa style ale brewed with lime and agave. Yeah, theirs is uh, a Gosa-style ale mm. brewed with lime and agave because most breweries p- 
produce gosa style rather than a traditional gosa by getting that flavor through additional juice. And uh, like the one we're drinking today is from a craft brewery in Brisbane called Green Beacon, and they make a gosa style ale, which is very, very nice, but it's not savory, I guess. It's not technically gosa, it's fruity. Mm. It's very nice. Yeah, it's still got the tartness to it that one expects from a gosa, mm. but it's very reminiscent of. Drinking a beer-flavored pasito or something. Yeah. Yeah, uh, or like a pasito without any sugar in it. Yeah. Though uh, there is apparently one brewery in the US that uh, does produce a actual traditional gosa, which is a six-point brewery mm. that makes the Jamma gosa. And as per their own description, it is ale brewed with sea salt and coriander. Yeah. And it doesn't have any nectars or juices or any other exotic ingredients added to it. Mm. If you've had this uh, Six Point Brewery's Jammer Gosa style ale or Gosa Jammer Gosa, you know the one, um, let us know because we're curious to find out what the original tastes like. Yeah, especially if you've also had the one that Sierra Nevada Brewing Company sells. Mm. Because then you know the difference. Yeah, well, like lime and agave makes it sound like it might be sweet. It does make it sound like it might be sweet. Mm. And there is a slight sweetness, but it shouldn't be sweet, sweet. Mm. So the uh, gosa we have is very yellow. It's not golden. It's definitely a yellow color. And definitely smells like it's got passion fruit in it. Um, it's obviously beer. Yeah, it's it's probably one of the most different beers I've had before. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. It is very unique. Mm. And uh, I suppose we should point out that for anybody in Australia who wants to get their hands on a locally brewed gosa gosa, the Nomad Brewing Co. do a freshy salt and pepper gosa Ooh. that has a focus on using native ingredients, but they use seawater taken straight from Freshwater Beach just down the road from the brewery. Wow. So they get their water and their salt at the same time. Hmm. Well, that's how it was traditionally made, using seawater. Yeah, and uh, apparently as well, the Sailor's Grave Brewing Down She Goes is uh, from uh, East Gippsland, Victoria. Wow. And they also have a big focus on using native and local ingredients. Awesome. And um, apparently it is has a delicate salty tang and is extremely sessionable and thirst-quenching which uses locally harvested seaweed for a minerally marine touch. Cool. I really like it when craft breweries use local botanicals to uh, enhance their product. Yeah, so instead of using coriander, they've, they're using seaweed. they've used a seaweed. <laughs> wow. Well, I suppose we couldn't, we can't really call it a traditional gosa, but it's produced in that 
that style. The same method. Yeah. And, it, well, it's probably closer to the original style of... the Closer to the original recipe of Gosa than, than what we're drinking now. Yeah, than the ones with added fruit juice to... Mm. To make it more palatable for the masses. Yeah, make it more palatable. Add that tang to it that would have otherwise come from the acid yeah. and producing it using the other method. Mm. Absolutely. Um, so... You, ladies and gentlemen, have actually heard the first time we have had Gosa before. And that was when we went on our craft brewery tour uh, about a year ago now. Yeah, no, that's right. And it was quite an experience for us because we were drinking so many different beers. Mm. And then we hit this, which is so very, very different to every other beer we'd had that day. Mm Mm-hmm. Just this was different to every other beer I'd ever had. Like, I mean, I'd had porters, I've had uh, stouts, I've had lagers, ales. You know, all the all the mostly pretty much mainstream stuff, and and then we had a gosa. Oh no, it was the um, the stru- strawberry sour at uh, Newstead. That was oh, the yes. first sort of eye-opener to sours. Or yeah, to Sour all the beers. different flavors that you could get into a beer. Yeah. Like, up until that point, I just assumed beer was beer, and the variation between the flavors was not that great. And then suddenly there was uh, sours, gosa, saison, uh, uh, IPAs. like Yeah, things with very... Bold flavor profiles and completely different from from what you'd expect from just beer. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not just beer; it's it's gosa. Yeah, it's fantastic, and I I keep going back to Green Beacon just to get a growler of this every now and then because it's like a refreshing change. Yeah, and if if you like things that have a bit of a tang to them, then Gosa is probably a good beer to try. And if you're not really a beer drinker, Gosa is probably a good beer to try because it it really is the least beer-tasting beer that I think I've ever had. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. aside from maybe a Rattler or a um, Sour. Oh, yes. Um, But, I mean, it's, it's pretty up there. Yeah. yeah, like I would put all those three in the same category of technically beer, but doesn't really taste like it. Yeah, I'd I'd be inclined to agree with that. Hmm. We sort of powered through this episode, guys. I'm not sure we have much else to talk about. Yeah, like there's uh, obviously a good little bit of history there, but there's no mystery around where it came from. Everyone knows where it came from because mm. that's kind of the only place where it was really consumed for hundreds of years. Yeah. And it sort of slowly spread from there. And even and it was even touch and go for a little while as to whether it would even come back. Yeah, so it it does kind of have a tale behind it. It just doesn't have there's no legend. Mm. And so many of the older drinks they have a legend. 
Yeah. Or a, a plot twist. Or a, a running theme, a running gag. Yeah. That didn't really <laughs> happen with Gosa. It just... It was. It came about by accident one day and people started doing it on purpose. Mm. And then it nearly wasn't because wars happened. And then it was again and then nearly wasn't again and then is. And then the American craft brewers took hold of it and now it's available almost everywhere. Yeah. So we really, we can thank craft breweries for the resurgence of so many things. So many weird and wonderful beers. Yeah, things that would have just disappeared into obscurity mm. had there not been some craft brewer who longed for the golden era of beer and <laughs> brewing and said, I want to make this. Uh, what What did this taste like 150, 200 years ago? Let's find out. Yeah. Yes, so to the craft brewing pioneers who took a gamble and uh, decided to bring something back to see what it tasted like, we salute you. We salute you. Cheers, my friends. <laughs> so if you liked what you heard, guys, uh, make sure you hit that like button or smash that like button on your favorite podcast app, including Podbean, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. Uh, the list could go on. Uh, you can find us at find us on all these places as... A good drop all about alcohol. Look for the beer icon. We are also on the socials, Facebook and Instagram, as a good drop podcast. Hmm. And if, you've, if you want to check out our backlog of previous episodes, you can check out our website, agooddrop.com.au. And if you've got any comments, questions, feedback, suggestions for future episodes, or if you've had a beer that we've mentioned today and want to let us know what it tastes like, send us an email to a good drop at gmail.com. Yeah, and now do be sure to tune in next time. We are still in Europe, but <laughs> uh, we're slightly further over. We're, we're moving from Germany to France. I, that feels like something that's happened before, but that's... It's like that's just down the road. <laughs> we are yeah, going from Germany this week to France next week, talking about champagne. Hmm. Like, we've, we've mentioned sparkling wine before, but... We want to get into the specifics, and I've never had champagne before, so I'm excited to find out what the difference might be, like what all the hype is about, I guess. Mm, and find out you shall, because we are drinking a champagne that I have, well, a champagne from a maker whose champagne I've had before, <laughs> and I found it to be very good indeed. We'll find out next week. So, until then... Cheers. Cheers.